So you know Erica's working, my wife Erica's working with uh, AMI Kids and uh, they actually, so they work with getting kids connected to marine life a lot. So they take them out on boats. I mean, what she does is run a food truck, but take them out on boats, water, fishing, really cool programs um, with like troubled youth and they get them connected with the ocean and stuff. So they just did this, what is an annual trip. They all went down to the Keys. She was there for an entire week and actually she didn't have to run the food truck. She got to like be a lifeguard because she just finished lifeguard training. And so she actually got to go out with the kids and do like snorkeling. And she was texting me. She's like, you know, it's funny because like for all these kids, it's the first time ever seeing like these fish and coral. But she's like, what I am trying not to make very obvious to everyone is it's also my first time seeing like in real life. Like I saw Nemo and then like the the, the coral and all this stuff. So she was overwhelmingly falling in love with it. Right. And she noted that like there's a lot of coral that turns white and basically white coral is kind of dead coral. Like when it dies, it bleaches a little bit. And, and that's like not good for the ecosystem there or whatever. So she gets home and she's head over heels in love with the ocean in general. But now in particular with this with the coral and this ecosystem that she just encountered for the first time. And the other night she's like, John, there's so much coral dying right now because of the water temperatures. And then mm -hmm. I just saw like today, apparently, and I guess they're, I don't know, did you see, I don't know if they're like verifying this or what, but like they just measured 101 something point something degree water temperature, like in Manatee, which um, is gonna, is a world record, like a world record of uh, ocean temperature uh, on record anywhere. And um, anyway, uh, so I, one, just to, like, Here's what's going on. You know, Erica kind of paying attention to this, but man, this, this like heat wave, uh, you know, water temperatures take a lot longer to heat up than just the air. It, it like, oh, it's hot out, but like even our, our, our oceans are increasing and this entire ecosystem is, um, really suffering. Like there's a, t like coral doesn't just bounce back, you know, like it's dying off. Oh. And, um, it's getting cooked, which is tragic and insane and uh anyway my my wife can't stop looking at it um over the week and uh yeah and it's not just right it affects all marine life these rising temperature waters right and that's to see things like the red tide blooms and all all these issues um with our oceans which make a majority of our planet like a large majority of our planet so well yeah um, and even, even no exactly and then it's going to affect you know even like the weekend like uh this tropic waves coming across Florida and by the way, it's kind of going to be hot, but also we're going to see a bunch of rain um, over the weekend, most likely probably even starting today. Um, where there's going to be a whole bunch of rain going on. Um, but enough of an intro for those of you kind of jumping in with us. Welcome to Tampa talk. It's July 28th. I'm John. And I'm Dahlia. Thanks for joining us. All right. What are we talking about? Well, this uh, week in Tampa history, um, in 1955, on July 31st, Elvis Presley made his second ever appearance at the Fort Homer Hesterly Armory, which is right here in Tampa. Yep. And um, so Presley's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who if you haven't watched the, the Elvis Presley movie, is, oh, is really good. a good it's movie. So good. That Tom Parker yeah. character is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, but he hired a photographer called uh, Red William Robertson to perform photograph performance and so one of the photos taking the night would go on to be one of the most recognizable and iconic pictures ever taken of elvis presley which we have linked in word on the streets news article that goes out every uh friday morning 
And um, it's often referred to as the tonsil photo, which is the famous picture of President uh, on stage singing with his mouth open, eyes shut, and was used as the front cover for his very first self-titled full-length album in 1956. So an iconic Elvis Presley photo taken right here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I was actually the one. I love Elvis. I, I don't know how anyone couldn't. He's just super cool. Yeah. But like the, and I know that photo. It's very well-known photo. Uh, but I just found out even pulling this up, like that was in Tampa. And that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no elvis is a really uh cool person i actually went to the memphis the graceland in memphis um a couple years ago maybe like three four years ago and it's incredible to like see his house and it's really sad too to know like once you watch the movie and everything that went on in his life and kind of the um yeah. abuse that is stardom sometimes by the way yeah just you mentioning that movie um i forget the guy's name that made it but i just like it was a work of art. That was such a well, like the music, the, that was just such a well-made film story aside. The story is incredible, but the film itself like blew my mind. I watched it several times. It's really, really good. So if you guys haven't seen it, definitely recommend it's just called Elvis, right? So yeah, I think so. Elvis with, yeah. um, that guy, the blonde Tom, guy. In it. Anyways. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure no, it's the guy that made Tom Hanks is in it. Tom Hanks is Tom Parker. Colonel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's Tom Parker. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was made by the guy that made Moulin Rouge. I believe that's the other, but I can't think of his name right now, but great film. But we got some current news. What's happening? Well, in uh, current news. So in this week, um, this story is a little bit um, heavy, especially with Paired with the Next, but it's really important because when we recognize Tampa is kind of one of its core problems is the presence of human trafficking in our city and in our, in the Tampa Bay region specifically. And that has a lot to do with being a port city and, you know, being uh, like coastal is, is common across port cities. Um, but it's important to know that this happens and also more importantly to report it if um, you come across it. And so for those of you who don't know the human trafficking um, anonymous tip line is tip 411, or you can call the national human trafficking hotline at 888 888- three seven three seven eight 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 um and so you know this isn't the police they just you can put in tips and kind of help um uh law enforcement kind of track down these victims um but the story that made the news this week was a victim who was um suspected to be have been living in cuba and was promised assistance to enter the united states in exchange for debt and this debt she would have to pay off as an exotic dancer and so while she agreed to those conditions when she arrived in to the United States and to Tampa, um, well, originally into into Texas, the, um, she was found that she was being asked to do like sexual acts as well, and essentially prostituting herself. wasn't allowed to leave her residence except for going to work and um, all these other sexual favors that she was giving out on behalf of the men who trafficked her. And so, obviously, a terrible story. But her bravery and speaking out actually led to the. Um, law enforcement not only being able to save her but save an additional victim and they're continuing to investigate these victims kind of coming in through this route as indebted like sex trafficker like sex trafficked women um from other countries um and so yeah tampa's been working really hard to kind of like help these women and connect them with local organizations um to make sure that their recovery is something that's sustainable and really helps them uh, reintegrate into society. 
because this is obviously a, a really tough thing to kind of bounce back from Brutal. Um, if, if you do. Um, so again, tip 411 is the anonymous tip line and 888-373-7888 is the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Um, By the way, this I- This story I also one. kind of- Sorry, I just yeah. want to throw one thing in about the tip line. Um, they are really, I, I actually got to go to a session with the like sex trafficking task force here locally, and they are very good at filtering through um, tips and knowing like what is kind of important and not important. But um, with, for rather than running an education for everyone listening, um, there are things that seem suspect and the advice is call, just call stack of mattresses outside of a house like yeah let us know like that's important information maybe they have bed bugs but we have ways of like filtering this information so the encouragement is um call like just in general like even if you feel like you know it's like just the more information the better um for weird things that you see and so just want to encourage everyone listening don't to be don't be hesitant that's what those lines are for and they've got good systems on the other side to like filter the information into what is actionable and important yeah. And it's important if you're a parent too, to be letting, you know, people know that this is a real thing. Cause a lot of these victims are just uh, naive, right? They just believe that um, yep. they like the, not the worst people. Right. I mean, especially when people are going through hard times and struggling and, you know, you get the opportunity to make money and you think, or, you know, escape a country under civil duress, you know, you just think, okay, this is, this is better, right? This is going to help me get out of this situation. Um, and then building off this story, uh, we spoke about this case a couple, maybe months ago at this point, um, but it, it relates to the um, arrest of a gentleman named, again, I'm not supposed to use that word, <laughs> a man named, uh, he was going by the name Giovanni Fucarino, and he was associated with the Italian club here in Tampa, um, but his real name is John Robert Ring Jr., and it turns out he actually went by a couple different names. Um, Jose for, uh, Jose Rodriguez being one of them and juice being another. And so, um, more has kind of developed off of this story about his 2008 arrest and kind of previous allegations towards him, as well as an arrest following this 2008 arrest in North Carolina. Um, but essentially this is, you know, when the initial arrest came out, it was kind of a story about like some nude photos, maybe pornographic images of, of girls under age. And his ultimate charge in 2008 was um, to, is was soliciting that. But when you look into the police report, there was multiple allegations, like in the decades of young girls under 18, um, reporting him for various things from um, asking him to come interview to do a, be exotic dancers for him, um, asking them to, uh, for paid sex, asking them to, to accept paid sex from other people and there's two different statements but it the range of girls that he impacted was anywhere from 90 to 700 one report says um and i i think 700 was a comment that he made like boastfully like obviously not knowing that that would come back to the police um so it's estimated to be more around that 90 people but this was what he was doing while he was actively working as a teacher's aide within hillsborough county and so um, a lot of the times these girls pulled back their reports and kind of stopped cooperating with police officers. Um, and he was actually in two different situations in front of a police officer with specific, suspicious material that I guess they couldn't just land him on. Um, but ultimately, he was running these um, strip clubs out of homes 
and uh, having high net worth people come in and pay to um, have these underage girls uh, dance with them or even um, have sex with them and other sexual favors. So um, much more of a story than I think that the initial report led to believe. And so obviously, you know, it's still a, a, a lot of the news is, you know, a smear campaign for whatever politician was associated with him. But at the, at the core of this story is the fact that um, this was a lot more serious than just not that a nude photo is anything to sneeze at, but it was a lot more serious than just a nude photo of a 17 year old girl being found on his phone. And I think that's important to kind of update listeners on as well. Wow. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. One, it's horrific that this happened, but then that this dude could just like change his name and like be like a, a, I mean, he's just been running around as like somebody else entirely with nobody aware of his, um, cause he was on like a sex offender list. Right. And the charges were there and he was still able to like fly under the radar. It just, it's just mind blowing to me that he was able to be, to have, uh, such a good reputation, uh, under a completely, yeah. uh, under an alias, um, for so yeah. long and get himself into all these like places. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, I mean, right before this story broke, like the initial story, I was, um, working with a couple colleagues of ours and um he was actively fielding phone calls from his wife about she had found out about his sex offender uh him being on the sex offender list this is before it made news this is before his arrest and was very disturbed by the fact that this was a person that she had gotten lunch with and she had you know um held meetings with and all this stuff and had worked maybe not super closely but worked with yeah and had no idea that he was a sex offender or his past. And like, this was like the day before the story made um, news. And uh, so, yeah. So like this, he was very real, really in circles. Right. And like one that came not too far away from our own. And so to think that, you know, what if that's somebody that we would have brought in to help us with a kid's program, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's crazy that these people are are getting away with stuff like this um, for so long. Because 2008, that's like 14 years ago or whatever yep. we're at by this point. Uh, yeah. No, maybe not that long. But no, yeah, about that long. Um, so human trafficking, um, sex trafficking, illicit sex, all that stuff is very real in Tampa Bay and something to be aware of. Another big issue facing Tampa is rent. And so we've heard about this a lot um, in recent uh, months and even this past year, but a recent study put out by the um, a rental um, agency found that eighty you need eighty five thousand dollars to live comfortably in Tampa, whereas the average person makes fifty seven thousand dollars, and um, that eighty five thousand dollars like to be comfortable would allow for um you to be able to afford. Uh, average rent unit of $2,100 a month when average rents are higher than that, even in Tampa Bay. Um, so, for... so that, that number is based on the kind of rule of thumb. Like you, you need to make like rent should not be more than 30% of what you make. This is why a lot of the like landlords are like, I need to see that your check is three times what the rent is. It's like that you're, and then that's where they're getting the number like 2,100 a month. 30% of your wages, you're going to be need to make 85 K, which by the way, I'm like, that's uh, like 
for me, I'm like, that's astronomical. Like that's a lot of money <laughs> to need to make as a salary, right? To be able to afford what is just average rent. And by the way, the average rent on here is not a ton higher than the lowest rent. That is what, uh, that I'm aware of that people are right. paying cheapest places around Tampa. Right. No, it's a tough situation. And it's largely due to the fact that, you know, Tampa, Florida in general has received a lot of my like immigration. Um, so you've had 30, 320,000 Americans move into Florida in just last year, um, between 2021 and 2022. And so you have a ton of people moving in. You also have a ton of remote workers moving in. And although our rent prices and house prices and all this seem astronomical to us, we're one of the cheapest in the nation, right? You get these Northeasterners, yep. West Coast people, $300,000 for a house. I think 371 or 387 is like the average cost of a home. That's peanuts compared to the million and a half people are paying for something comparable in, outside of the, like in New York. Yeah, coming from, yeah, New England, California, both those places are just astronomically more expensive. And yeah, so for us, it's like, these are outrageous prices, but that's right. You come in, you're like, oh, I'll take two. No big yeah. deal. Yep. Yeah. But the, the real thing is our cost of living hasn't increased proportionally to our, our, like our, the amount we're getting paid isn't increasing to our cost of living. And that's the reason why Tampanians, Floridians are getting pushed out of these markets um, when they may not be, you know, that expensive outside of this, this state. No, that's um, right. And, and people, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I was going to lead into, this is affecting kind of a different community that we would never really no. um, think about when we talk about being renting, um, because the big thing to remember is, you know, home ownership, and especially if you owned a home before things went crazy, is now the more affordable option than renting in Tampa, right? But now it's a matter of where are those interest rates, where are those home prices, right? Can you even qualify? Um, do you have the savings? Um, but if you got in three years ago and were able to buy your home, you know, you're sitting on a gold mine compared to what um, is happening right now. Um so, but yeah, this, this issue of rent is actually affecting, um, animals. So our pets, so the pet surrenders have soared across Tampa Bay and, um, the humane societies are actually not taking like certain humane societies are no longer taking owner surrendered pets because, um, they just have way too many pets and oh. it's because of people downsizing and moving yep. out of their apartments and not knowing or living in their car and not knowing where to go or not knowing how to take care of this animal anymore. Um, and so, yeah, you don't really think about that, but yeah, many animal shelters say it's a big reason why they're seeing this, um, increased number of pets renders across Tampa Bay. You know, it's really interesting to me because when, when COVID hit and the lockdowns happened, <laughs> This was actually quite interesting just in terms of like the conversation around cats and dogs, like uh, just between like people that are into cats or into dogs. So when COVID hit, it seemed that like they got a big influx of cats, um, but you could not like all dogs were claimed, like every single dog was claimed. And I, it's interesting thinking back, like a lot of the there was moratorium on evictions, a lot of like. Uh, there was a lot of help being pumped into the system for taking care of your rental prices. Like they weren't jacking up prices. Um, and so a lot of animals went, in, a lot of dogs, especially, but a lot of animals went into homes and out of these uh, shelters to where they were like, there's not a single dog in the shelter. But like you're saying now, like one, that moratorium's over. People are getting evicted right and left. I mean, I'm hearing from people all the time that are losing their places um, rental is getting out of reach for so many, but even if you're not being put out, like 
like I have a dog and if I'm looking around at like expenses, I'm like, this is a, this is a crazy expense. Like you have to feed these things. You have to house these things, you know, they, they take, they, they take, they cost. And, um, and when people are cutting, cutting costs, they start looking around, even though this is like considered for many, like a family member, but like you said, it might be the first thing they have to cut is their budgeting. But then if you're losing your place and you just literally like have nowhere for this animal to be and no friends that are willing to take it in and they're they're Yeah. So they are uh, packed, which I guess, by the way, if you would like a dog or a cat, it sounds like there's plenty that might be available. It might be a good time to adopt rescue, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm sure that there, there is uh plenty to, to, um, that would love to have a good home. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. But make sure you are able to take care of that dog uh, in the long term because, uh, you know, you don't want these dogs being passed back and forth. Um, so Tampa also, some, some more positive news. Tampa also was named one of the top coffee cities in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. So we ranked sixth. And this was, you know, uh, a magazine or whatever called Wallet Hub that ranked these. Um, we ranked behind San Francisco, Seattle, Orlando, Honolulu, Portland, and um, yeah, that's it. That's then Tampa Bay, um, which I will say, I love Tampa coffee. And I'm not talking even like the organic roasters or whatever, but the Cuban coffee you get on 7th Street is like no other. If someone wants to bring me a coffee better than that Cuban coffee you get on 7th, like, I, I don't even know if that was part of the stats here, but I hope it was, because I think if it wasn't, we'd be number like one, two, top three. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see like what it was based on. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's some amazing, um, like independent coffee roasters and, and, and coffee shops here. There's some really good, like, I know we have some really good coffee shops, but I was also like, I mean, I was elated to see we were so high on the list. Um, but also a little surprised. And I, I was curious, like what the metrics were, like, is it, you know, and I don't, I don't know, maybe I'll look more into that, but um love seeing tampa on on the rise in yet another category yeah and i'm just saying i think we really deserve this one like i think when it comes to coffee tampa bay uh comes through maybe not all parts of the city but um we got some really good good points for coffee um this next story is about a uh, a friend of yours a a colleague of ours but uh mark lieb um who is actually john do you want to do you want to take this one since you know him a little bit more personally yeah so Mark Lieb um, is a brilliant author, and some of you uh, probably heard us talk about him not too long ago when um, we were promoting a, a showing of his play, When the Righteous Triumph, which I'm just blown away by the how prolific he's been because he put out that play about the sit-ins in Tampa history. And then while we were there, or while we were catching up, he was like, yeah, well, I got like a novel about to be published. And so that's out now. It's called Image Breaker. I actually went to the book launch this week um, where he was interviewed at a bookstore and I got a couple copies of it. I've read maybe 10, the chapters are very short. So there's a lot of chapters, but I'm like 10 chapters in, which is not that impressive because they're very short. Um, But I am really excited uh, about this book. Um, But it's a, uh, it's a, let's say he was saying it's, it's the book that I um, have been looking for. Like I've been looking for a book that addressed my own concerns and questions about how to live meaningfully in the world. Um, he's like, there, you know, we've we've had a long time of books like dismantling those things um, through modernity, kind of modern writing, 
there's lots of like, let's say crisis of faith and life is meaningless type messages, but looking for like the opposite, he's like, I couldn't find it anywhere. So I decided that I should write it. And so this is actually Mark's first uh, novel. Um, I mean, he's, he's been a longtime writer, uh, playwright, 20 published works. Um, most recently, the one I mentioned, uh, when the righteous triumph, but, and he's written tons of, uh, short stories. Um, but this is actually the book of like, a a, a man who, so the book opens with a, a guy named Tristan, who is, uh, let's say a famous writer, uh, who's of many novels, who's been like writing about the void, uh, life is meaningless and empty and he's an atheist and, and he's famous for that. The movie has been made about one of his books and right in the beginning of the book, he's actually rereading, um, Camus book, um, the myth of Sisyphus, which is a book that was very instrumental in his, in the shaping of his thinking when he was young and he's rereading it in French. And then the, the, and I'll just give you this kind of opening scene, the word, he kind of hallucinates the words separate. And he sees three messages on in, in a couple different um, pages. It says, um, you know, better than this in English. And then it'll, they'll separate it. He shakes it off and they separate later. Like his like eyes are playing tricks on him. And then it says, um, you don't have time to waste. And then later it's this like search for me. And it really, and he's in the middle of writing another book, but he's like, what's important for me to write books is that I believe this. And he always has. But these like hallucinations and prompts begin him wondering, is there more is like is like is is, you know, for an atheist asking, is God talking to me or something trying to get through to me? This book isn't like proselytizing, but it is kind of like a a turn from, let's say, atheism to like an openness to meaning and purpose and faith. And so I'm only a little bit into it, um, but I'm very excited about it. And uh, would encourage you guys to pick up a copy of Image Breakers and also just check out the article um, that was that we put in here. And there's several out if you search his name about this new book. Uh, and yeah, super excited and pumped for Mark. Um, it's just such a the dude is he's just regularly brilliant in his work. And I am a big fan. Yeah, I look forward to reading it myself. Um, and then in the last bit of news here, so there was a recent data breach in Tampa Bay, and it affected actually a whole slew Dude, of companies. Yeah. So John Hopkins, General Tampa, sorry, TGH, um, and H Hillsborough County um hospitals and Hillsborough County itself. Um, yeah. but this breach essentially breached um names, phone numbers, email addresses, and social security numbers of an anticipated one million people. Um, and so the article really says, so this thing happens, right? This like um, data penetration is what it's called, happens constantly. And from what I understand, like like hundreds of times a day for a single company that really stores a lot of data. And really the call is just to be aware of your credit um, because these things can affect your credit you know, tomorrow, but they can also affect your credit five years down the road when that's when the credit card gets opened up. Um, and so even if you weren't affected, um, just having an active eye on your credit report is really important. And to know if there's changes, then you could protest, the, protest them as they come up versus, you know, waiting until you're five years down the road and trying to buy a house. And there's just no recourse at that point. Um, so stay on top of your credit and you can check that for free at annualcreditreport.com. And then the last piece of news here is um, they are talking about getting rid of bikes on Riverwalk. And so um, I think there's like signs posted already that you're not supposed to ride bikes on Riverwalk. Um, people do, but 
it obviously causes problems because you have walkers, you have dogs, you have tons of people. And for anyone who's walked on Riverwalk, the bikes do get a little bit insane. Um, but what the mayor was really saying was um, until we have another solution, so like proper bike lanes along Ashley Drive and other streets that are parallel to Riverwalk, she doesn't really have in good conscience to be like, you can't ride on Riverwalk um, because there's not another solution. But really what they're trying to say is slow down, respect everyone else on the pathway. Um, and keep in mind that it is river walk, not river bike. Um, and maybe I one saw day that, I saw that line. I saw that line in the article. And I, uh, just one is cheesy, but two, like I, I, I have not seen any, this was news to me. Now I do know, cause I don't think there's signs out there. It has been something that's been biked since it was built up, but it is, a hard i'll just say it's a really hard place to ride a bike because there is so many people walking on it now that just just as a place to go ride it's pretty impractical now that but then like i, I remember commenting to someone recently like oh yeah i wouldn't bike there anymore because it's just too many people and they're like yeah but you can and and you can but it makes sense that there's having this conflict because like it's like the only people riding are people that are like willing to muscle through the crowd and of course people walking and not paying attention is are horrified by that and so yeah it's it's a problem it's a problem yeah, you get a lot of those kids like, popping wheelies on the rikes and stuff like that too which is i yep. think where like a lot of danger probably comes from as well yep. um and i you know those big tire bikes i've seen out there the light up one so I, i've definitely notice that there's a lot of bikes out there um but like like she said there's not where are the bikes supposed to go so until there's a solution for that um well they're putting a lot into the uh cycling and pedestrian infrastructure over the next several years uh and so hopefully you know this just helps incentivize the development there um it sounds like what she's trying to leverage it into as well absolutely um, otherwise, we've got some events going on this weekend. Well-fed community will be out at the downtown Tampa Summer Series over at Curtis Hickston Park from 2 to 4. The event itself will be going on from 8.30 to 10, so whole day's events. Um, and there will also be some great bands playing. And then the following that Sunday, Adam Randall and Nick Ewing and JT Brown will be performing, um, which are uh, folks that we've had um dedicate their services to the wild in the past so they're great definitely go check them out um string instruments which is always beautiful we also have grease happening um it's last weekend over at the tampa performing arts center if you haven't seen it yet and um coming up next month august 13th we have 813 day over at sparkman wharf from 11 to 9 p.m so be sure to go celebrate tampa at 813 day i love that uh so guys, thank you so much for joining us. I really do want to invite you to engage uh, with this show. Help us grow the audience. Please comment, rate, share both Tampa Talk and Word on the Street. Make sure you're subscribed to both uh, so you do get notified um, when the new episodes are up on Friday mornings. Uh, we will be out at Harvest Hope Park this morning from 1030 to 12, as well as the Ebor Garden from 9 to 11. All right. Well, that's what we're talking about, everyone. And thanks for joining us. Until next time. I'll be good.